Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show. In the CBRE 2024 Investor Intention Survey, which serves as a compass when it comes to revealing crucial insights into investor strategies, it found that Japan is the top target for cross border real estate investment in Asia Pacific for the fifth straight year. It also revealed that over 40% intend to dispose of assets this year, emphasizing a focus on realizing returns and debt repayment. So, what are the driving forces behind this disposition trend? And what are the variations and property types influencing investor decisions for the year ahead? To shed more light on this, let's bring in Greg Hyland, the head of capital markets for Asia Pacific at CBRE. Greg, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. How are you? Good morning, Audrey. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. So let's start with Japan. It has consistently topped the charts as the preferred destination for cross border real estate investment in Asia Pacific for the past five years. So, what makes it so Appealing to investors, you think? I think there's a couple of reasons, but the primary reason is really the ultra accommodative monetary policy. Japan's maintained a, a virtually zero or negative base rate、um, cash policy, which means there's an, is in a margin between what investors can borrow it and what yields they're buying a real estate at broadly across all the asset classes. So that's highly attractive for investors when they're looking. The second thing, and probably not so important, is the currency. So the yen has actually depreciated quite substantially compared to US dollar and other regions, regional currencies. So it's made it a lot more attractive for investors to, to get exposure to Japan. You talked about all of the asset classes, but from residential versus industrial,、um, which do you, would you say is more popular? I think what we've seen from our clients has been residential and multifamily in particular has been very, very strong. Industrial logistics, and increasingly we've seen a shift to Towards data centers. Okay, we definitely want to get into the multifamily portion. But another key finding in the report the real estate landscape in Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, they're witnessing a surge in intentions to sell, it seems.、Uh, what are the driving forces behind this trend and how will this impact local markets? Yeah, look, I think each market has behaved slightly differently. And if I start with Singapore, Singapore market has held up quite well in the face of. You know, significant value depreciations that we've seen in various markets across Asia Pacific. So investors are realising returns, and, and Singapore is a deep liquid market. If you move to Australia, some of the sectors, in particular industrial logistics, has been one of the best performing markets globally. So investors again are realising some of the gains.、Um, and then if you shift to Hong Kong, some of the selling pressure is really around Hong Kong follows US dollar monetary policy. So、mm. interest rates have increased quite dramatically. And then you overlay that with some of the geopolitical tensions, and some clients you know, have, a, have a slant to, to perhaps avoiding that as, a, as an investment、uh, destination. Another trend that you guys have found that is that investors in Asia Pacific show a preference for value added strategies, you know, particularly in distressed assets. So, what drives this strategic choice, and how do debt solutions play a role in helping them achieve their investment goals? I think in markets excluding Japan, which had ultra and maintains ultra accommodative monetary policy, a lot of other markets in Asia Pacific actually saw significant increases in interest rates through the, the last 12 to 18 months. As those rates have increased, we've seen a deterioration in, in property values. So it, it, it's really been investors have struggled to price capital at the core or less riskier end. And they feel that as these asset values emerge, 
value-add strategies where the returns, look-forward returns are perhaps higher than what they have been historically. And that's where a lot of our investor clients have been focused. And I think also what we've seen is as to these asset values have fallen, refinancing um, pressure has mounted, looking at debt solutions, so providing a credit solution for a particular investor is is what a lot of our clients are, are, are focusing on at the moment. You've talked about interest rates a couple of times now, and in 2024, central bank policy rates and economic uncertainty really are major concerns for the year. How and what steps are investors taking to navigate all of these challenges? Look, interest rates has been the big central topic for commercial real estate through the last 12 to 18 months. Investors have really had to grapple with increasing cost of capital. Um, how people have, have looked to navigate it in some asset classes, rental increases have offset some of the, the pressure that financing has, has really brought to bear. I think on a go-forward basis, we've definitely seen a shift in sentiment over the last 60 to 90 days. Um, Some of the rhetoric out of central banks is that interest rates are perhaps near the top of the cycle now. Some of that may have changed with Mm -hmm. what happened in the Fed earlier in the week. But we've definitely seen, and I think the, the general view that we're feeling is if we're not at the top, we're pretty close to the top of the interest rate cycle. And that's giving investors confidence to perhaps look at increasing their allocations um, in the second half of this year, which is what we're forecasting. All right. Let's go into the multifamily portion, which you mentioned earlier. You know, residential assets, especially multifamily and built to rent, are gaining increased interest. So what factors contribute to this rise and how do investors apply value add strategies in this specific sector? I think multifamily as an asset class has really been at this stage limited to Japan. So I think investors are attracted to the sector for the stable nature of cash flow. It's an essential service that we all need. We all need a roof. So mm-hmm. providing you know, high quality, affordable housing is a service that we all need and desire. In terms of value add strategies, you know, groups will look at older apartments, refurbishing them, perhaps adding some additional amenity. Or, you know, as I mentioned earlier, perhaps, you know, looking in the affordable end or senior housing end to cater to niche markets, which are perhaps undersupplied. All right. So residential assets still popular, but industrial and office spaces also remain top choices for core investors. Um, How do these preferences align with broader investment strategies and what attributes make them enduring favorites? I think what we have seen is a multi-year sexual shift towards logistics investments, and that's largely been driven by demand and structural undersupply that we saw in a lot of markets. That demand was driven by the shift to e-commerce. We've started buying goods online as Mm -hmm. opposed to going to the shopping centre. So that really created a structural shift in logistics. I think office historically has been the largest office asset class that we've seen in Asia Pacific and globally. There has been some near-term struggles with office with regards to work-from-home phenomenon that became out of COVID. Yeah. What we are seeing, in particularly in this part of the world, is the return to the office is a lot stronger than what perhaps you know, we're seeing in our, our markets in North America and Europe. Um, that said, there is still a, a concern overhang around how we're going to consume office in the, in the future. So, Greg, we've covered so much. We've talked about residential assets, industrial office spaces. Let's get into healthcare assets now, which have become a priority for investors exploring alternative investments. So what makes them stand out and how are investors seamlessly integrating these assets into their diverse portfolios? I think real estate investors generally make decisions for the long term. And if you look at healthcare assets, the income streams that come out of that are generally very long dated and they're generally very stable and secure. And also, if you overlay the demand side and a lot of populations, we, we do have aging 
populations and, and the demand for health services is continuing to increase. So it's an asset class that we're really starting to see emerge, you know, and demand from our, our clients is, is definitely on the rise. Let's throw in data centers in there as well. AI, really the key buzzword for the last couple of years. Um, where do you see that going? Explosive mm-hmm. in one word. I think the demand that we're seeing both from people allocating capital and the end users. Um, and I think with what we're seeing now in AI, we expect that uh, trend to continue. There are issues with data centers. Um, a lot of investors are concerned around the environmental footprint. They are very, very large consumers of energy. So um, how you know, groups, investors, and also end users deal with the energy or the ESG component of it is, is still a question that that is to be answered. All right. Another challenge investors are facing is in sourcing debt, including less favorable loan-to-value ratios, uncertain interest rates that we talked about. How are they planning to overcome these obstacles and what impact might these strategies have on their overall investment approaches? Look, debt maturities is something that over the next 12 to 36 months, as investors roll off what was historically low interest rates and values have fallen. So, there's either sell the asset and realise your gains, mm-hmm. um, perhaps put more equity. Um, if your bank is favourable, they may extend the terms on, on higher LTVs. But again, it, it, it's not one answer fits all. But again, what we're seeing is our clients are generally quite proactive and getting in front of those debt maturities to deal with them as quickly as they can. All right. Some great insights into the diverse trends in Asia-Pacific real estate. Thanks so much, Greg, for your time this morning. You're welcome. Thank you. We were in conversation with Greg Highland, head of Capital Markets in Asia Pacific at CBRE. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.